Good morning, everyone. I know I'm a little short, but can you all see me? Uh, I'm okay. Uh, I'm really excited to be here with you all this morning. Um, y'all, rather, with y'all this morning. Uh, I'm Father Thomas from St. Catharines uh, in Denver. And uh, I absolutely ho love Holy Trinity, though. Uh, it's been a while since I've been here. And so I'm really grateful for the opportunity to come back. Uh, I mean, just to serve and celebrate with, you know, Deacon Clint and Father John. And, you know, I used to be in a black robe, you know, following around John Lucas and Basil, wherever they went. And so it's just so neat to be, to be back here and serve to celebrate the liturgy with you all. So with y'all, I apologize. So uh, in case uh, some of you might be thinking, um, you know, who are you and uh, what, you did, what did you do with Father Mark? But uh, I just want to let you know, uh, Father Mark um, was feeling under the weather. He's, he feels like he's got about a, a, a bit of a head cold, but he has, um, he had COVID. And so he called me and he asked if I would be willing to, to serve. And I said, yes, absolutely. I love Holy Trinity. I am so glad you got COVID. <laughs> uh, so um, all joking aside, let's keep Father Mark in our prayers for sure uh, and pray that he recovers soon. But if he doesn't recover soon, he has my phone number for next week, too. So uh, one of the reasons that I absolutely love this parish is uh, my wife, Karen, and I were first received into this church, into Orthodoxy, 10 years ago this coming Pascha. So I know that doesn't sound like very long ago, um, but it feels like a very long time ago. But um, I, oh, thank you. So I'm just so grateful to be here. And yeah, so Karen and I, we were received into the Orthodox Church here. And so Holy Trinity, for many reasons, feels like my mother, right? It feels, this is the place that I was born into Orthodoxy. My faith was born anew here. And so for many reasons, this parish will always feel like my mother. Um, and so I thought it was ironic, you know, after I've gone away to uh, seminary and then I get ordained, and I'm in Denver for three years, you know, by now. Uh, I thought how ironic it is that I get to come back on the Sunday of the prodigal son, right? I thought this was just such a, a sweet moment, you know, to really be with y'all this morning on the Sunday of the prodigal son. Now, in the gospel reading today, you guys are probably quite familiar with it, right? The Sunday of the prodigal son, so uh, he, um, he tells his father, he... he he doesn't um, want to live with him anymore. He wants his inheritance. He goes off. He squanders everything. And then he returns after he realizes he has nothing and uh, tells his father, let me at least be a, as a hired servant. And the father sacrifices a fattened calf and celebrates. But the older brother doesn't want anything to do with him. So that's just a brief recap. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you weren't really paying attention, there it is, just in a, in a, nut, but, in a nutshell. But... Uh, the Gospel reading today for me uh, is so beautiful for many reasons. Uh, each year I come to it and there's something different that I love about it. Uh, there's, how can you not love the repentance that, that you see in the prodigal son? Or even love just the way the father was waiting to see his son and when he sees him in the distance he goes and he runs towards him and he embraces him and he kisses him. How can you not love those things? 
But one thing that I love about it, this morning at least, is I recognize that it comes in the context of three parables, so to speak, where Jesus is telling us what the fallen humanity is likened to, ultimately. We have fallen away from grace, we've fallen away from paradise, and he says, ultimately, fallen humanity is like a, a coin that has been lost. Uh, fallen humanity is like the sheep that's gone astray, and Jesus leaves the others, and he comes for the one. Uh, and today, he says that fallen humanity is like a father who lost his son to wayward living. And so what I can relate about this is, he seems to lose a lot of things, right? That's what, that's the, in the conclusion, God likes to lose things. I can relate to that. Um, so he, he loses things, but he never stops looking. He never stops looking. Um, I've lost, don't tell Karen, I've lost my wedding ring something like seven times. Uh, this, this ring I got actually just last week even. Uh, for $13. <laughs> and uh, I, I keep losing this ring. Um, and, and I mean, it has sentimental value in that it's my wedding ring, right? But it doesn't have much monetary value. And when I lose it, I just get a new one. So it, it's lost that sense of monetary value um, that it should have. But there was, after about my fourth wedding ring that I lost, um, and I couldn't tell you how I lost any of those either, because they didn't mean as much, right? So after the fourth one, my mother-in-law, while we were living here in Texas, gave me a gold wedding, wedding band uh, that had been in the family for years. And that one, I remember exactly how I lost. Um, I was swimming in the ocean, and there was uh, over about 60 feet over in the water over this plane wreck. Uh, it was, um, don't get startled, it was for a cruise excursion. I wanted to see it, so I'm out there and you can see straight to the bottom. And as I'm swimming, I could feel my ring fall, slip off. And no matter how much I tried to grab this wedding ring, it kept slipping through my fingers. And then I finally lost sight of it by the time it hit the plane wreck. And so um, I, there's just such a sense of like loss that you have, right? This, I, you get a clump in your throat, you feel like your stomach, you, you know, I don't, is in knots. And I felt like this just stress for a number of days. And then I got another ring and kind of forgot about it. Um, but God has never lost that sense of grief, of losing us. God has never lost this this lump he has, so to speak, and humanly speaking, in his throat, that he's, he's lost us and so desperately wants us back. And um, so Adam and Eve, ultimately, we have in today's story, we have really the retelling of Adam and Eve, the loss of Adam and Eve. They were in paradise, and we, together with Adam and Eve, said, Dad, we like your things, but we don't like you. And we left. And every time we do our own sin, every time we intentionally choose ourselves over God, we are continually participating in that sin of Adam, continually becoming that prodigal son. And, um, but God, however, unlike me, he never stopped looking for us once we were lost. He even went down into the wreck to find us. And uh, he would not stop 
he would not give up until he could find us uh, and ultimately restore fallen humanity with himself. So I would like, at this time, I would like to visualize this for you. I think this is really neat. So we have the prodigal son, right, that he falls, he, he leaves. We have Adam and Eve, they, they leave too. It's really kind of the retelling of the story. But every liturgy, we do something very similar. Um, so I, I want to visualize this for you guys. So uh, in the altar area, this is supposed to be like paradise, right? You come into the altar area, and this is, this is paradise. In paradise, you had a tree of life, and you had a tree of knowledge of good and evil. So Adam and Eve ate from the tree of, good of, uh, tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they get kicked out of the altar. I'm sorry, they get kicked out of paradise. And they come out through this way. You see the deacon do this often, right? And when they get kicked out of paradise, do you remember what happens? There's an angel with a, a flaming sword that twirls about. And that's why we have right here on this gate, we have the angel Michael with a sword, right? To prevent Adam and Eve from going back in. So since Adam and Eve couldn't be restored in the way that they had left, that area was blocked. So the deacon will come out here, he'll do his petitions. But God has reopened to us paradise once again through the Annunciation, through Gabriel proclaiming the good news uh, to Mary that her son would give birth, or that she would give birth to a son who would save her people, uh, save our people from their sins. And so this is why we always have Gabriel on this altar, uh, on this door. And this is the direction that the deacon will continually come in and out of. So we have the ability to be restored once again into paradise. And now we have the tree of life, right? In the parable today that we just read, we talked about the, uh, the fatted calf that was slaughtered. In the hymn last night in Vespers, it talks about how Christ on the cross was that fatted calf that was slaughtered as we are being restored back to paradise once again. And now this continual action of, of the deacon continually coming out, doing petitions and being restored, reenacts our own fall, our own continual participation. It's not just a once and done thing. This is even a moment by moment. This is a thing that we do daily in our lives. It's fall, but we have to get up again to be restored once again to our heavenly homeland. And I find it really kind of neat, one of the ideas too, we have the tree of life in the center, right, of paradise. And the priest gathers the fruits, right, from the tree of life. And he brings it out to, to us out in the fallen world, right, as we are trying to be redeemed and head back into paradise. So whenever you come to church, no matter how far we might have fallen or how much we have got, how, how lost we might have become, uh, there's always this continual circular action going back in and getting closer to God and he's continually waiting for us too to return to him God our Father always wants us uh, to draw near to him he, he loves us so, so deeply that he will stop at nothing until we are restored there is absolutely nothing now that can separate us from the glory of God from his presence you know, God had created the visible and the invisible worlds, right? The creation, the trees, everything. And he placed humankind at the top of these things. But he made us both 
physical and spiritual, so that we would be a bridge to the spiritual realm. And when we fell, we broke this order. And when Christ came, he restores that bridge back to this heavenly realm, and he restores us as well as this bridge. So God hasn't shown um, this love to us alone, though, right? Not just to those that are in this church, not just to those into the, into the Orthodox faith, but he shows this love. He has this desperate desire for all of us people, all humanity to be restored. And it's our responsibility to reflect this love in the world. The world is broken. The world is hurting. Even many of us are as well. And here, though, is where we find that entrance back once again into paradise. And so we do have a responsibility to share this love, to share this hope that we have with broken humanity and bring them here to the place where we could find restoration once again, where we find our Heavenly Father in our Heavenly Homeland. So how do we do this? We bring them to our home, to their Father. This, here in this church, this is where heaven and earth meet. In the miracle of the Eucharist, where the body and blood, uh, where the Eucharist becomes the body and blood, we celebrate this great miracle where we could find this union. God became physical so that once again we could become spiritual. As uh, Athanasius says, God became man that man could become God. This bridge has been restored once again. And in the prodigal son we see this, this restoration. So the question is, are we guiding the broken world to a loving God? Or are we like the older brother? Uh, as as uh, we, we sometimes get fixed in our own ways, right? We like things the way they are, that we don't want them to change. And if we, if we embrace too many of the people coming from the outside, it might change the way things are. And we like the way things are, right? So we have a challenge. We have a challenge in this, not just to see ourselves as the repentant, because we are what we should be during Lent as we're going through. But we also have a challenge to make sure we're not being like the older brother who refused to celebrate with the sinner who had found grace once again in his father's embrace. So this is truly the challenge. Are we willing to reflect the love of God? Are we willing to show a broken and hurting world that God still loves them? So this Lent, let us repent from our own apostasy, of course, from our own failings, uh, with Adam and the prodigal, but also let us bring our hurting, broken families and friends to paradise with us. And we do this through prayer and reflecting on God's love with them. And let us do this, let us bring them to this place of rest where we could once again enter into paradise so that we, together with them, might send up all glory, honor, and worship to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.